VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I am Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe. This week, we've got a spooky event from oh, Apple, God. right? So it's, so it's so spooky. It scared me when they announced an 8 p.m. event, because that Ugh. scared me. We will dive into all that, folks. We'll dive into the uh, the new M3 chips, the new MacBook Pros, and uh, the iMac that finally got a refresh with special guest Sam Rutherford. He'll be on in a bit. As always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. Drop us an email at podcastandgadget.com. I really want to know what you all think of the new Macs, actually, and um, maybe Apple's new strategy around the M3. So definitely drop us a note. We are like looking at different ways to bring live streaming back. That's something I certainly miss. I know we all miss it, except for having to look pretty for a camera in the morning. Um, But yeah, we're still thinking about that, folks. So sit tight. So Apple announced this event it was like a week, maybe, of warning. Like, we, we didn't really have too much warning of this. But um, they announced a scary fast event. And I think we are all like, oh, great. We, we've been waiting for new Macs. We've been waiting for new chips. Then we saw the time. And I just, I had to do a double take. I had to be like, is this, did somebody send me a joke email? Because uh, Apple, you're hosting an event at 8 p.m. Eastern. That is Betty Buy time. That is not a time where I want to sit up and like follow all of your products. Yet that's what they did. I think because uh, the theme was, I don't know, Halloween, maybe Halloween night. I don't know. So joining us to talk about all this stuff is a senior writer, Sam Rutherford. Hey, Sam. Hey, how's it going? Going okay. How spooky was this event for you? I think the time actually was the scariest thing because when has <laughs> I, I can't remember it. Has Apple ever done an no. 8 p.m. live stream? No, before? never. No. I don't think so. And I feel bad. Like, you know, it was, I didn't really like, you know, having to tune in at 8 p.m., but I also feel really bad for all of the Apple employees who had to mm-hmm. probably pull like long 12 hour, 18 hour days because they're, I, and this is, uh, you know, not confirmed or fact, but like, you know, I've heard that like, you know, the Apple, uh, you know, PR people, they're on call for these events and they have really, really long schedules for these events. So I just feel bad. And then the day before Halloween, hey, you know, what if your kid wants to go trick or treating or your, you know, your city was there, having there a little events. event? Sometimes yeah. there are events. Like sometimes there's not Halloween uh, trick or treating on the night of Halloween in the neighborhood. Uh, I do want to say, like, I don't, I don't, this is all like in, you know, stuff within our wheelhouse, but I do think Apple fans, want to follow these events live i think that's kind of weird and disruptive it's like a weird time of the night i wonder if somebody just had an idea like wouldn't it be fun if we did a halloween event well totally this is is a wouldn't it be fun one executive was like huh and they didn't think about like hey yeah right uh the the events at 8 p.m what would you rather be doing after a long day of work would you rather now the events coordinators yeah staring at them like 8 p.m what i would you rather watch ted lasso i don't know yeah i found funny i found this funny because Apple rarely schedules Monday events. They almost yes. always do Tuesdays. But then this time Which they smart. could not do. Yeah, it's smart. Nobody wants to come back on a weekend, right? But they they were like, oh, Tuesday's Halloween. So they were like, no, 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 no. Monday works. And you, and you just could have done it during the day and it would have been totally fine. Exactly. <laughs> totally, anyway, this is, our, this is just our thinking and what we've been freaking out. I, I do think I wrote up the chips and the chips are really interesting because we got the M3, M3 Pro and M3 Max. The spooky thing is... Intel, AMD, and Qualcomm are like, oh, shit. 
Like it's getting even faster. Mm. They're getting, you know, they're bringing over the real time ray tracing that uh, they announced for the iPhone uh, 15 chips, right? The A17 Pro and everything. So I do think like Apple's continuing their lead here with all this stuff. Um, but Sam, you were here. Um, actually, Sherlyn, were you paying attention to any of this? Because that was your birthday. Happy birthday. Thank Happy you. Happy birthday. Did you actually Yay. pay attention to the news? No, F no. Good. Screw good. all of that. All, all, all for you. Sam, you were there on the ground, and Apple actually did a rare thing where they pre-briefed us on a lot of the news, too. So that was For once. Was, for once, that was nice. So it was a night event, but we had a bunch of the stuff ahead of time. Really quick, a mo- bit more behind-the-scenes stuff. I, I suspect the pre-brief had to do with the timing, had to do with the Oh, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. There's a, so anyways, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, go ahead, Sam. What do you think of this event and what Apple has announced so far? I mean, so there, there's a couple different layers. I think it's kind of interesting that, that, like, hey, they released a new M3, which seems like it's, um, you know, about the right time schedule. Although if you look at, like, when they added it to the MacBook Pro line, it seems like that gap was not quite as big as, you know, people might have expected. I mean, we got but, the M2 MacBook Pros earlier this year. So that's weird. But that said, it's nice having the M3, the M3 Pro, and the M3 Pro Max all, or sorry, M3 Max all arrive at the same time. Because originally, you know, they can kind of split up, and then like the Ultra, you know, is the one that arrives later. So it's nice having those three chips arrive at the same time. Uh, I also say the the whole naming scheme of these systems is getting really kind of just awkward now because now you have MacBook Pros with M3 Pro chips, and there's just a lot of Pros just flying around everywhere. So it actually gets like a little confusing to talk about it at times. Um, but you know, so they put the new M3, uh, chips in the new MacBook Pros and the 14 and 16. Great. Uh, the M3 MacBook Pro starts at a lower price now. So $1,600. And That's I think this is, plus, yeah. uh, this is definitely like, you know, kind of repositioning both the M3 chip and the M and the MacBook Pro line as a whole, because Hey, the last one started at $2,000, and so now you're just like, hey, it's a little bit more affordable, and so the, the g- gap between the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro isn't quite as kind of hefty as it was before. It's a, it, I, I think it's a weird time for Apple, right? Because I, I reviewed the last two the last two MacBook Pros, and the 14-inch is an amazing computer. I feel like that is everything I want in a 14-inch ultra-portable, if I'm not really too concerned about gaming, although Apple's getting more into gaming now, but as a productivity machine, as a workhorse, perfect computer, like great big screen, very thin bezels, really nice build. I didn't like that it started at $2,000. So the fact we're a little lower now is good, but that 1599 MacBook Pro 14 is weird because this is the first time a MacBook Pro, yeah, the first time the MacBook Pro is running the base M chip, or at least the MacBook Pro 14, Let's be clear here. Apple just killed, outright murdered the 13-inch MacBook Pro, the one with the old design and the touch bar and everything. And uh, I I think they got a lot of criticism for that one when that came out. Uh, I believe that was last year. And my review, my headline for that one was Pro in name only because that computer was so baffling. It It had all the old design. It only had two ports. It had a smaller screen than the M2 MacBook Air. And really, the M2 MacBook Air seemed like the computer a lot of people, especially even people who wanted more from their systems, like buy buy the slightly upgraded GPU, buy more RAM for the M2 MacBook Air. Sam, you also reviewed the MacBook Air 15-inch, which didn't exist earlier this year. So now Apple has the 13-inch Air, the 15-inch Air, straight up to these 14 inches. I feel like the, the portfolio just feels m- more sensible now 
than it did before with the 13 inch, right? For sure. Uh, I mean, there's a couple small things that I still don't really love, like the base M3, and I have to say this carefully because there's a lot of pros in there. So the base M3 MacBook Pro still only has two USB ports. Yes. If you want more, you have to upgrade to the M3 Pro <laughs> MacBook Pro. Uh-huh. Um, and so, like, just if you're going to make the Pro line, just make the whole line Pro from the base. Like... Give us all the ports and and stuff. Don't don't make people upgrade to get one more port on the already pro machine. That just feels a little weird. Um, but I do really like that. Hey, the new M3 chips they have uh, hardware acceleration support for ray tracing and mesh shading, and so this is you know just really great for you know 3D modelers, animators, and actually kind of gamers too. I know gaming still not like the primary thing you think about when you think about Macs, but hey, you know, they're bringing it up to par with, you know, some of the discrete GPU fu- functions that you get from AMD and NVIDIA. So that's really, really nice to see. Yeah, I, I feel like this is just the Apple's like, hey, we have new chips. For the first time, they can launch all the chips all at once rather than having an M base event and then an M2 Pro and M2 Max event and then a couple of months later, an M, an M Ultra event where they're like, hey, we just stuck two Maxes together. And it's a new chip. Uh, enjoy everybody. Sherlyn, like, do you have any thoughts just broadly? I assume maybe you're hearing a bunch of this for the first time now. What do you think about Apple's latest lineup at this point? Mostly I'm curious about if they still look the same as before. They do. Except for the black. There's a new space black that is supposedly anti-fingerprint. So that's something. Yeah, so I actually, I did get to see this in person very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, And it does seem to hide fingerprints uh, a little bit better. It's not what I would, it's more of a charcoal than like a pure black. It seems like a dark gray, yeah. Yeah, it's a darker space gray, but you know, that's okay. And I think a lot of people have been hoping to see, you know, the return of a black MacBook Pro for a long time. So, hey, there it is. It's really nice. It's very pretty. I don't like that you have to upgrade to get that color option it's not because it's not model. it's not a, yeah, yeah it's not available on the base macbook pro m3 you have to upgrade to an m3 pro chip um and so that's uh, a little bit sad just ma- once again make the once again. macbook pro ba- pro for everybody and then let them choose it's, the uh, chip after that I, I think apple got to apple right like that the 1599 macbook pro 14 is such a it's a weird computer in the way that the 13 inch macbook pro was weird because yeah it only has two usb c ports it does have hdmi does have the micro sd card slot so that or the sd card slot that is super helpful it has the great screen has the promotion screen which the 13 inch mac certainly did not um but at the same time at that base price you're getting eight gigabytes of ram eight gigabytes of ram in a macbook pro seems i don't know yeah. a little insane to me like it it seems weird Very little. and mm-hmm. especially when they were touting that like hey you can scale it up to 128 gigs of unified memory if you like fully max it out which sounds really impressive sure, but sure. hey you know you got to 99 yeah you got to bump up the low end a little bit too i feel like i i do feel like and so uh, let's introduce a term macbook prosers posers cuz i oh, feel no. like i feel like that's what the 13 inch macbook pro was for many many years like i talked to apple when they launched that thing i was like i straight up asked apple like why are you still releasing this this is your old hardware this is the touch bar nobody's making stuff for the touch bar anymore and they told me it's their best-selling macbook pro because it was the cheapest one and it's their second best-selling laptop behind the macbook air so that's why that thing stuck around and i think it does get a lot of people maybe generally users who walk into the apple store and are like i'm i'm better than an air but I'm not going to spend money upgrading the Pro. I'm going to get the cheapest Pro I can get. 
So I feel like that's why it's the, the people 13... who wanted to say that they had a pro MacBook for whatever reason that, that it meant something to them. The prosers, the pro posers. Um, Maybe and it's the, ports. I don't know. The, yeah. yeah, yeah. But the fifteen ninety nine one is basically that, right? They're the people who are like, yeah, I have the nice screen, I have the nice layout, but I don't care if I have eight gigabytes of RAM, you know. So I feel like it's that type of user. So again, a strange machine. Um, bump up, you can get them M three Pro. Which is, you know, let me just go over these chips here because we have a bunch of the details on them. The big features that we were talking about, nice to have ray tracing, nice to have something they're calling uh, mesh shading, hardware accelerated mesh shading, which is going to better handle geometry uh, stuff, like just a lot of polygons and a lot of things happening on the screen at once. Basically, Apple's pitching this is a much, the M3 is a much better gaming machine than the M2 or the M1 was. The M3's GPU is 1.8 times faster than the M2 and 2.5 times faster than the M1 in pro apps. They weren't really specific about what those were. Um, better power efficiency, of course. And also, like, these are three nanometer chips, which is a first for the PC industry. These are running on the new TSMC process. Uh, they also announced that for the iPhone chips, right? The A17 Pro are also the first mobile three nanometer chips. Basically, that means, you know, they are built at a, at a finer degree. The transistors are much, much smaller. By being smaller, they can use less power. They can be more efficient. And they can also be faster, too, because there is, that's just a question of physics, right? There is less, less space and less room for things and uh, processes to function. So, okay, cool. Three nanometer chip, um, obviously faster. I do think the M3 Pro... Again, Apple's doing a weird thing, right? So we have the M3, M3 Pro, M3 Max. The Pro has 25% less memory bandwidth than the M2 Pro did. It has kind of a reworked core count too, which is which is kind of strange. It has, um, let me see here. The plain M3 has an eight core CPU and a 10 core GPU. The M3 Pro has a 12 core CPU, six performance cores, six efficiency cores, and an 18 core GPU. And I believe that is fewer I have to like look up the stat here. I believe that is fewer performance cores than the M2 Pro. It just seems like a weird thing Apple is doing of like reassessing what the M3 Pro actually is. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Sam or Sherlin. It's a weird kind of reconfiguration of it. And I'm, as I'm looking at the Apple Store page now, for some reason, the base M3 Pro MacBook Pro 14 has an 11-core CPU and 14-core GPU. But if you bump it up one one like one tier, then you get 12 core CPU, 18 core GPU. I'm not sure why that distinction exists. Um, yeah, I'm because they have they yeah. both have 18 gigs of unified memory, and then you get a little bit more storage for that higher tier one. So it, it seems like they're kind of overcomplicating the SKUs to me a little bit. But I guess you know, if you are looking for a pro machine, just make sure you go and check out that fine print before you hit that buy button. That. It also seems like the user type is just changing a bit. Like maybe, maybe you're the sort of power user. Like, yeah, I don't want just a bit. I don't want the lowest level MacBook Pro. I want something mid range. But even then, if you're a mid range user, you're not. You're not like running Adobe Premiere twenty four seven like all the time, right? You are maybe occasionally doing demanding stuff in your system. It seems like Apple made the bet where they're just going to like go uh, whole hog on the M three Max and make that as powerful as as possible. For the you know most demanding users, right? And even yeah. in, even in the live stream, they're talking about like, hey, you know these these M3 Max machines are really meant for like animators, modelers, like you know science researchers and stuff like that. So it's like that is kind of and it starts at thirty two hundred dollars. Yeah, for the so, 14. Yeah, 
Yeah, for the for the 14 M3 Max model. So, you know, really that's kind of out of the price range for most people. And, you know, I'm okay with that because it's not really meant for the every person anyways. Exactly. I, I do feel like Apple is just like further delineating what these machines are, right? Like and who they're meant for. And also like they're being very coy about like what they're making money from, right? Because without having the USB, the extra USB-C port on the the 14 inch base model, they can put in like the cheaper chipset there too, right? So it's... um. Yeah, it just seems like it's becoming overall more efficient for them. Do you have any thoughts, Sam, about like the the new MacBooks in general? Like there aren't any hardware changes. It looks exactly the same as before, except the base model 14 loses a port, unfortunately. Right, and, and there is one tiny display change. Uh, Apple said that the SDR content on the new MacBook Pros uh, is 20% brighter. So it goes from 500 to 600 nits um, That's for good. SDR content, which, hey, no one's complaining about that. Um because S- you're watching SDR most of the time. You're only seeing HDR in video, right? Uh, and it also, for people who have one of the nicer displays, it matches the, the kind of content, uh, the brightness you get from Apple standalone display. So that's that's fine. Great. It's nice to have, like, you know, we're, photographers always get really nitpicky about, like, hey, I want stuff to look the same across all of my machines. And so, hey, there you have it. There you have it. Um, do we have any other thoughts on the MacBook Pros? Like, hey, these are great systems. Um, I, I think it is interesting. Apple's still pulling up benchmarks from the Intel systems too. Like they are comparing these to Intel chips because I think obviously they know. Apple knows exactly who is using what Macs out there. And they know there's a huge install base of Intel machines who have yet upgraded to any of these processors. So they're like, hey, this is the one. This may be the one to jump over to, right? I also say they in the live stream, they talked about how like the the M3 Max MacBook Pro is like 11 times faster than the old Intel Max MacBook Pros. And you know what? That's fine. That's a really nice number. Big performance. Um, I just got to say, this is the last time that Apple can get away with comparing any of their M-series chips to Intel stuff. The Intel stuff, the last one came out in 2020, if I'm not mistaken. It's three years old. It better be way faster. It better Um, be way faster, yeah. I'm going to point out that like the competition out there is still using like PC side of things, but Apple rarely compares themselves to like, I think PCs as much as their older machines. They're comparing to old Intel chips, like the last Intel Mac chips, you know, they should be comparing to what's on the PC side, but I guess that's not as fair a comparison since people who are on Mac are as unlikely to buy PCs as much as they still do. They still do like those, uh, those magical Apple graphs Lynn, where they're like peak, like PC power. Like we can hit peak power at lower or peak, a performance at lower power than Intel chips. They do say like the leading Intel chip, right? Or the leading PC chip or the yeah, fastest right. PC chip. So they do occasionally do that, even though they're not a... Uh, yeah, every now and then. They're they're not like, yeah, they're not doing anything like that. So very, very strange what Apple is doing here. Uh, we should point out, I think uh, towards the end of this event, um, which again was not very Halloween themed. I heard like one wolf, maybe one wolf behind Tim Cook. Um there is a new iMac with the uh, the new M3 chip, so that's nice. I really like that iMac. I don't know if you guys have thoughts. Yeah, I mean the design's the same. Um, so, it, but with a new chip, I, I think no one's going to complain about that. I think what people really want though is like a 27 inch iMac with an M3, and that doesn't exist. And so I think it's nice to update the old one. Uh, but I think people, you know, if you like iMacs, I'm not a huge all-in-one fan just for you know because. It's so I don't cute. like not being able to just like change the hardware and have it tethered to the display, but that's just me. I mean, but you, if you, like, you use laptops, Sam. That's all a laptop is, you know? For you sure. Can, but like at least, anymore. but I can take a laptop and put it in my backpack. I can't put an iMac in my backpack. Oh, I can. 
I mean, I actually <laughs> okay. did, I was moving that uh, that sucker around. The nice thing about the iMac redesign is that it is surprisingly light for an all-in-one machine. It is like a big ass tablet with a with a display with a panel, right, with a base. And that is kind of cool. Um, I believe uh, we will be reviewing the new ones at some point. I won't be doing that review. But I brought that thing into my kitchen. I brought that thing to a kitchen table. I brought that thing to an office upstairs. It requires just lifting up, you know, giving that thing a great big hug and holding the power cord. And that's it. And you move. It's super light. So I do think for families and people who like sharing computers, um, you know, if if my kids were more, were doing schoolwork and stuff. I would love to have a shared computer in the central space like we did in the 90s, right? For Where sure. they could yep, sit and yep, do yep. work um, in front of a decent screen. You're right, though, Sam. Like, people want the 27-inch. There were rumors of an even bigger, bigger one. I yeah, do feel I, like, yeah. So people people were, like, talking about, hey, they might do a 30-inch iMac, which would be really cool. Um, but unfortunately, that didn't materialize. I do think, like, screen size is one thing. Apple is always, like, they were slow on getting to bigger phones. They were, they're kind of slow on so many things. I'm sitting in front of a 49-inch monitor right now, guys. Like, I'm sitting in this 49-inch LG monitor that is, I have four, like, full-screen windows open. I see my uh, Audacity bar. I see everything. I see our Slack. And Apple's like, we got a 24-inch iMac. Is that... Are you happy with that? Um, they do have the 20, I believe the 27 inch cinema display, right? So, you know, the, the, those are nice. The studio display is nice. Um, I would love to see Apple go bigger. I would love to see a 32 inch iMac. I would love to see an honestly, an ultra wide iMac um, at 32 to 34 inches. Cause that would be, that's not super tall. That's more wide. And that would be like, you could put that in a dorm room, and just use that as an interactive TV too. And um, yeah. Apple could sell those things to Mac users, uh, MacBook users as like, hey, this is also a, an external monitor for you if you wanted it to be. So there's so many places for Apple to go with this stuff. Do you guys have any thoughts, I guess, where Apple is going at this point? So now we know what Apple's doing in 2023. Anything you still want to see from their PC side? Yes, I, I do want to see new accessories oh, for God. the Macs. Yes. Because unfortunately, that Magic touchpad, the Magic mouse, and a bunch of all of the other Magic accessories... They're still they still use USB to lightning cables, and I feel like hey now that the iPhone has USB C, it's time just everything USB C Apple. I know you're working on it, but I feel like you know you knew the change was happening. Like it would been it would just been made so much sense to have hey we have new MacBook Pros and a whole bunch of accessories for stuff like the new iMac that works together and it's all USB C and you only need one cable for all of your Mac stuff. You don't have to think about it anymore. It's great. It's um, I do feel like there is one person working on the accessories team at this point. Like after Johnny Ive like went through, it was like, I'm going to put the charging port on the bottom of this mouse. Deal with that, Apple. That felt like a big FU to to customers and uh, to Apple oilers. That that's still the way you charge the magic mouse, I believe. Um, there's no update there. Um, honestly, whenever I test the iMac or like the, the Mac Studio or the Mac Mini or anything, I use the trackpad. The magic trackpad is key. Um, yeah, it would be nice to have USB-C there. I guess it's not the end of the world though, right? Because you're just you're gonna have that cable. We still have, we didn't all just our lightning cables didn't evaporate. They didn't like blow up. You still have them. I mean, um, no one's making you them. throw out your old accessories. Yeah. I'm just yeah. saying, hey, going forward, you know, just put USB-C on all the things. You know, there was rumors that we might see an iPad Mini with a USB-C port. Uh, that didn't happen either. Uh, I'm, you know. I would like to see that at some point, and I actually might buy one for myself, um, even though I'm, you know, j- 
generally not a big tablet. Uh, Aren't you a Pro person. Max guy? Or no, you're a Fold. You're on the Galaxy. Fold. Yeah, I, I like the Fold because the Fold's kind of like a phone plus a tablet. But, you know, I think there, there's some... I'm, I'm, I'm starting to come back and there's, there's more uses for me where like, hey, it might be nice to have a standalone tablet for certain things. It would be. And uh, yeah, not a not an Android tablet, as we have discussed. Hey, hey it's true. I'm sorry. Speaking truth. Trillin, any other thoughts about what Apple is doing at this point? Not much. I mean, I, I still need to catch up on a lot of it, but I'm just glad it seems to be over this year. <laughs> are, are, wait, does it, though? Because is, is there's, iPads, maybe? There, yeah, there's, there's, there's a chance iPads. that there's going to be yeah. I, new iPads. Maybe they don't host an event and they just announce it. Um, yeah, it might but, be a press you know. release drop. Yeah. There's there's uh, there's definitely a chance that there will be iPads sometime in November, maybe early December. Yes. Yeah. I yeah, I'm not looking forward to that in terms of the work that we have to do, but I mean, you know and what? then by that then then you're happen. prepping for CES. So <laughs> it no, just never love ends. Love to take a break. Love to it take a break. Never ends. Uh yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much Sam for joining us on this. Where can people find you on the internet these days? You can find me on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it at Sam Rutherford. And as always on Gadget.com. Let's move on to some other news. And actually, we still have some Apple news. Uh, There's a big piece at Bloomberg called Apple has plans to eventually, maybe, revolutionize healthcare. That's a really good headline, actually. Eventually, maybe. Uh, This is a story by Mark Gurman and Drake Bennett. And they talk about something I haven't really heard much about, which was... um, a secretive startup, a secretive like company, um, basically a secretive branch of Apple that in 2011 uh, started work on doing a no-prick glucose monitor to basically help people with diabetes monitor themselves, maybe give people warnings as they're pre-diabetic or something. Um, and that company was called Avalante Health. They were several miles away from the main company, fully secretive, like there were no Apple logos or anything there. And this was something Apple worked on for a long while. And the initial dream of the Apple Watch was to have this stuff in it, was to have more health technology in it. Um, And then the Apple Watch just launched and ended up being like, okay, this is a fun accessory for your iPhone. Like it could do some heart tracking. It could do mainly exercise and fun things. But the big health stuff that Apple has been like dreaming of since the 2010s just never quite happened there. And the story dives into basically what's been happening over more than a decade. A lot of infighting, a lot of like, um, it does seem like Tim Cook and the executives are afraid of leaping into this thing. And Sherlyn, you do a lot of health coverage. So I don't know if this seems true to you, but Apple is very good at talking about like people who are healthy, giving you things to maybe make you aware of you potentially being sick or you having some issues, but they don't really do much for people who are sick. Right. And giving you a device that is actually providing medical benefits. They have really shied away from that. Right. I think it's hard. Right. I think that a I can see why Apple wants to invest in this space because healthcare is a huge industry. It's like so many billions of dollars. Um, And I think I would say that actually Apple, at the very least with the Fitness Plus and the Apple Watch products that it's done a better job than the competition at catering to people of varying levels of, say, mobility or health or accessibility. Um, with Fitness Plus, I mean, I've complained in the past that it's too easy, and but that the thing is Apple wanted to make it more welcoming and, and make it a bit so-called easy um, so that people who have limited mobility or, or that sort of thing can still 
you know, consider working out and exercising and that sort of thing. So I, I, I struggle with that notion that Apple is using like, you know, healthy people products, but avoiding, you know, people who are sick, but chronic illness and, and, and severe diseases, that sort of thing, obviously, I mean, it's overlooked. I, I will also point out though, that with like healthcare and medicine and all of that stuff, it often gets so specific. It's also evolving so rapidly. If you think about I mean, the amount of press releases I get in my inbox about like cancer research, which I've been paying more attention to lately, like there's a lot out there. It moves so quickly. Apple's not a healthcare company. Apple is a tech company. So yeah. for them to avoid this kind of makes sense. It's it's interesting though. Like it seemed like the initial idea for Avalante came from Steve Jobs, who was very, very sick from pancreatic cancer at that time. And like, it seemed Which like- Which is he, the worst cancer. Oh my gosh, is, yeah. Yeah, and he went through, you know, years of treatment, just really struggled. It seemed like his mission for Apple was like, okay, we we did the iPod, but what if what if we could actually help humanity? And this, this seemed like the thing, right? Help humanity with health tech stuff. And I do have to say- that that is maybe a little more of a noble goal than like what other you know tech billionaires yes. talk about. Like, yes, exactly. Got to get humans to Mars. Got to get like <laughs> we got to build General AI to uh, take control of Young people's of blood. Yes. Young people's blood. Let's uh, um, yeah, we got to live forever, right? It seems a little less selfish, but at the same time, you you mentioned Trillin. It is also a big market, right? This would be a big deal if Apple could revolutionize healthcare and health devices. But actually providing medical devices, you, you know what this means, right? It means regulation. It means dealing with regulators and getting approval from the, Rightly you know, from so. the FDA and everybody, right? And I want to, I also kind of want to touch on this, uh, not really Apple specific thing, but the FDA also gives different levels of classification. So there's approval and clearance and all of these different things. And like, I, as a journalist reporting on healthcare, have to be so careful myself to know the difference between cleared and approved. I don't think the average consumer knows the difference. You slap an FDA cleared label versus an FDA approved label. Who's going to understand? What does this mean? Your Fitbit is good at uh, is actually FDA cleared or approved? Like, what's the difference? Like, people don't understand. So there's a lot I think going into this sort of space that a you know companies need to be aware of, but b consumers need to be educated on. And people need to start to trust these things a bit more. I don't know that we're there yet. I don't know that the the, the devices are accurate enough or reliable enough yet. We there's, are starting though. Yeah. So there's commentary in this Bloomberg report. It sounds like from people at Apple who are frustrated by the company just being so conservative though. And I do feel like if there's one thing you don't play play fast and loose with, right? It is healthcare stuff. It's health tech. Like it's not just Theranos. It's any anything involving health. You have to be careful because people are depending on you, you know, for their lives. Both sides of this, basically, this is such a nuanced debate to have because both sides of it are true. Yes, you have to be so careful. But the other point of it is if you don't invest the money, you need to invest the money to research it. I know that like in academia, they have just everyone's fighting for funding. So it's like you kind Apple of doesn't have that problem, at least. Apple doesn't. So, yeah. so if a company like Apple could devote some of its billions to like researching, to focusing on how to help. That would be great. But some of that stuff, especially the research side of things, doesn't immediately yield results, right? It doesn't necessarily turn into a profit instantly. So I th- I think what Apple might be slash should be doing is, yeah, funding some of these researchers and... But um, it's all for them, right? It's not... They're not doing open academic oh, yeah, research, exactly. right? This is all... They're, they're out there pouring billions into building Apple products, you know? Things like a... Uh, 
uh, was it a blood pressure monitor that doesn't like um, squeeze you? It's just like a cuff you wear and it can just help you determine your blood pressure. What about Sherlin? Imagine an Apple store, right? But take away the Apple products. What if that was a medical center? What if it wasn't an Apple store, but an urgent care clinic, you know, filled with Apple, Apple products that were there to make you feel better? Apple medical products. How does that sound to you? So, so like Apple blood pressure monitor, uh-huh. Apple um, um, computers looking at your ECGs and stuff. Okay. Um, they're managing your data. Would it be data? more expensive? Would it be? Yeah, that's the thing. So I think the other part of it is they would have your data. Uh, I think that that's a huge concern. I think, though, that Apple has proven to be way more careful about your privacy and HIPAA laws than any other company that we cover. Um, I would feel bougie. It's all I can say. <laughs> I don't know how much more I would trust them versus. I mean, have you have clinic. you seen? There are so many bougie like healthcare yeah. options now around oh, New yeah. York, like for one basically medical, one day, medical, yeah. all those things. Hey, speaking of one medical, did you know Apple was in acquisition talks with one medical? which Amazon ended up buying. Amazon won. <laughs> yeah, Amazon won. Apple is also in acquisition talks with Crossover I, Health. So this idea of high-end medical care is a thing. Yep. Apple is, is yep. they had this idea. The plan was called Infinite Health, named after one infinite loop, their old, loop, uh, yeah. their old campus. Um, they they think, thought about this seriously. Yeah, I think it's interesting that Amazon won. I think uh, we also know that Google has been, you know, using its AI and health-based applications. I think what we're going to see is big tech is trying to focus more on health uh, and and healthcare approaches and how to use their products in that. I I think is interesting. It could potentially be promising. I think we all need to pay more attention. I think what is happening is that the people running these companies are themselves going through all kinds of health-related issues, and now starting to pay attention. So we're going to see a rise in that. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I do think we all need to proceed with caution. I think it I, might, I, again, mm-hmm. go sorry change, change the way the existing healthcare industry is, which in America is really due for an overhaul. If anything, yeah. if Apple can change the way insurance works in this country... That would be fantastic. That that would be kind of the killer. Although Apple, I, I, if you're listening, I don't know about that. yeah, um, that's where you should focus your efforts. Don't it, give it, me it the is, Apple card. Give me Apple insurance. Yeah. As we're talking about all this stuff, I do want to make it clear: other other countries, other civilized civilized countries, which have nationalized healthcare, don't don't have these problems necessarily, or certainly wouldn't have the need for a private company jumping in to have their own health centers and stuff because things I think are they have provided. Other problems. We ha- yeah. <laughs> they have other problems. Everything has problems. But we have very basic problems in terms of like providing adequate healthcare to our population. Um Ooh, you can I could talk about healthcare forever, sorry. It's, it's yes. a whole thing. Um but also, I mean, you think about the the premise of breaking bad or something, right? Or even the the recent Saw movie kind of went over this because the <laughs> Saw killer ended up I believe it was he was dealing with cancer. He knew he was going to die. And part Every of his Saw mission movie, was like, yeah. yeah, part of his mission was well, I'm going to take revenge <laughs> against, yeah. like, essentially well, everybody who's who's wronged me, basically. Original Jigsaw was more about trying to teach people to value their lives because he exactly. was dying of cancer. because he was yeah, dying. So. And they, they brought him back because the last one was a prequel, Sherlin. And it's actually very much about uh, healthcare. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. So it's, it's a whole thing. But these things, these ideas can barely exist in other countries. Um, so anyway, Apple has been dogfooding this stuff internally with their employees with something called AC wellness. So they're essentially running their own medical centers within the campus. And people have found, as you uh, just suggested, Trillin, it's very expensive. 
it costs a lot of money to run. And uh, one commenter said, it's probably fine for a population of young and healthy employees, but you wouldn't want to run a Medicare Advantage plan with it. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't want to run it mm -hmm. with people who are, you know, actually sick or actually dealing with like, you know, things involved with aging. Um, again, healthcare does not seem like something a tech company could just jump in and solve. But we, I don't know what it would take for America to have like a better healthcare system. Does any of this sound exciting to you, like Sherlyn, compared to your current medical offerings? I think I think I've I've been recently and for for the last few years thinking about healthcare a lot, and and I think healthcare systems the world over really fail our aging populations, really fail our elderly. We really do a bad job at taking care of our elderly. But we also fail the people who have, like you said, chronic illnesses. It's good, better at taking care of people who are healthy, which is really unfair sometimes. I think They're calling that... them the worried well. Basically, the, yeah, the exactly. people who are well, but are worried about Yeah, like me. A yeah. humongous yeah. hypochondriac. Yeah, yeah I... Uh, so I am fortunate to be one of the people that currently healthcare still wants to treat, still wants to take care of, but I, I'm, all, I'm constantly looking at people who are not and the, the sort of shitty treatment they get instead. I'd rather companies focus on that. So anyway, if you're an Apple employee, you've been on AC1 and you want to like anonymously send us something, <laughs> my DMs are open to you. Uh, and our email address is, my email address is Sherlyn at Engadget.com or C-H-E-R at Engadget.com. Um, so I would love to hear more about like, say an Apple employee who has chronic, because I know they hire people with disabilities. I know they hire people who, you know, may eventually get, you know, diagnosed with something. How does that work for you? Like, is it good? Is it still very expensive? I don't know. There's a lot here. There's a lot we can talk about. And there's a lot of red tape, it sounds like, to go through too. There is, uh, at the peak of Apple's internal testing, uh, its health habit plan, which was, uh, that was an app, basically an exercise app, uh, to give people nutrition advice and basic medical advice, had 3,500 users out of tens of thousands of Apple employees. Uh, there was a quote, this was the first real go at how you can have a physician in the loop during healthcare from Apple, and it was such a failure, it killed the vision. So, end quote. They tried, but it's hard. This is so hard. We talk about hardware being hard. Healthcare is impossible, oh. it seems. They didn't just go, here at Apple, we believe an apple a day keeps the doctor at bay. You are the new head of marketing. Congratulations. <laughs> there are some of these things. So the glucose sensor, the blood glucose sensor, sensor which would, uh, it seems like it would use light if it's a no-prick solution. Um, that is, they're going to build some version of that into the Apple Watch eventually. But it is 2023. It is almost a decade since the, the Apple Watch launched in 2014. If it's a couple of years from now, that is a long trek towards getting that I one mean, feature we, into this thing. Yeah. We got digital touch. We got a uh, double tap. You know, we, <laughs> they're starting to use the heart rate monitor for other things, I guess. The AFib stuff is good. They have good stories about people being told like, hey, you're having, you could be having a health emergency, right? So... I would like to credit Fitbit for that too. I mean, we, let's not forget Fitbit is also very good at that. They just don't have the marketing that Apple does with their, you know. Oh yeah, poor Fitbit. Um, they're just owned by <laughs> Google. And what what money does Google have? You know, zero apparently. Zero, but apparently. I, I would be excited to see what Google and Fitbit bring together. Honestly, like the Google's AI with Fitbit's data. Whoa! I could I could see what Google would bring. Google, Google would bring like this perfectly shaped product that looks kind of Apple-ish and like solves all your problems. Works really well, and uh, you're in the middle of treatment, and Google's like, no, 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 thank you, canceled, canceled. Go, go, find, go back to your old doctor, okay? 
because we don't support Google Health anymore. Sorry. Oh, so sad. It's absolutely what would happen. And actually, speaking of Google, um, everybody's mad at Google now because Google is cracking down on ad blockers in a more serious way. Uh, they're cracking down on ad blockers globally. They're telling people, I believe some people are getting messages where if they detect you're using an ad blocker, you'll be allowed to see three videos until you cannot see YouTube anymore. And they are pushing you to subscribe to YouTube Premium or just like deal deal with the ads. Any thoughts on this, Strulet? I mean, when I when I lost a like six month free trial of YouTube Premium <laughs> yes. or whatever I had, right? That was like that was a sad really, day. really sad. It was a sad day. Um, and I never thought to use an ad blocker. So I've been doing the living with the ads thing. And I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm cheap. Also, my mortgage went up, so I need to like save money. Um, but, uh, it's just, I, I get why YouTube is doing it. It's not very nice, but you know, yeah, it's, you, it, you, yeah. it's in line with charging money to avoid ads. Right. And so like, yeah, if I, they own the vertical, they own the Chrome browser, they own the content platform. It makes it, it's understandable. They have the control. Yeah. I, th I don't think ad blockers um, in general, like I, I understand if you need an ad blocker to help you just browse the internet because the internet is kind of a hellscape for many websites for you to have accessibility needs. You know, if you need to read an article and all this crap is in the way and you don't have like the dexterity to to deal with like de Xing out lots of ads. And oh, no, of, like, some of them are stuff. so annoying, They're too. So yeah, annoying. some of them are like popping up. I, I totally all understand that. But there is very little moral ground just to be like, well, I should be able to use an ad blocker for YouTube because. I, I don't want to see your ads, YouTube. I, I don't think like, you know, I can understand why people do it, but I don't. Yeah, same. I know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like you were lucky Google did not crack down on this earlier. That's really all I can say. You're very lucky about that. I, I thought, yeah. People are probably more afraid of like other sites, other content publishers and, you know, blocking ad blockers, which <laughs> I mean, they who have else, been who doing. Who else matters beyond YouTube at this point yeah, for streaming video? Yeah. It's sad, but I get it. It's all you I can totally say, get right? it. I do feel like the ad experience is getting worse. I um so mainly yeah. I am on YouTube Premium and I have the family plan. So I like basically split it up between my family and uh you know got got my parents on and other people. It is really the only way to view YouTube anymore, right? It does it does stink because they keep making the ad experience much worse and there are more ads before videos, there are ads in the middle of videos, like that whole experience yep. is getting worse and worse. Um, I don't know. I think I just valued like the the time in my life, Sherlyn, where I'm sitting there waiting for YouTube ads to count down to be like, I, no, I can pay oh, two Starbucks even, coffees, you know, to do. There are some that. ads where you can't even skip them anymore, but they at least are only five seconds long. But then I've noticed that the timer is like five, four, three. It's on three, Google time. Three, one. One, I'm Back just like, five. you liars. Yeah. yeah, so you're right. The ad experience is broken. I remember a time when we were like, when I saw the industry try to make ads better, try to make them like more native, more engaging. But it seems like we've decided F that. That's the only place we get money now. So let's go ham. Uh, it's, it's very much, um, I mean, YouTube, like so many things, has been inshitified, as Cory Doctorow says, like, used to be a great thing that didn't have many ads. Then they started adding ads. Then they started adding ads. And now it's just like you're inundated with them. Like you can't escape them. You're drowning in ads to see a short uh, viral clip or something. And I think that is a problem. Are they making it so bad because they want people to subscribe to YouTube Premium? Maybe that's it. So I could see that being a reason. 
I, I see the reason being revenue, regardless of how they get it, whether it's ad money or your subscription fees, they just need the money for some reason, which also really annoys me because I'm like, Google, do you really need to be making more money every year? Or could you not plateau for a little bit? It's, they, a, they it's capitalism. They can't because they have to keep their stockholders happy. They have to keep the board happy. Like, why gotta, are we yeah. so focused on growth anyway? Okay. That is, I mean, that is... The, the never-ending question in the tech world, if only Google were a private company where they could do whatever the hell they wanted, like Valve or something, um, that's really the only way it could it could go. Um, yeah, let us know what you guys think about this. Like, how many of you are using ad blockers? Is it going to – are you just going to stop using YouTube as much? Is that even possible is the thing. Like, it is so – YouTube is so ingrained into the web and the way we consume media. I don't know. I'm definitely lo- using it less, so Yeah. Definitely not using it as much. The only videos I watch are in gadget videos. Uh, <laughs> That's very nice. That's very nice. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the kids just mean. all on TikTok instead, like just TikTok, just Instagram exactly. short videos. Like maybe exactly. That's it. And if Google sees that happening and people trending away, maybe that is the yep. thing they will. That's the wake up call. That'll have better ads or something. Maybe ads could be better. I don't know. Let us know, folks. Podcastinggadget.com. I also wrote up this thing about, um, hey, there's a new Windows 11 update, Trillin. Are you Ugh. aware? Because there was no. one last month, too. I but stayed there, away from my computer so much. The official Windows 11 2023 update started rolling out on October 31st. And let me tell you what is in this update, Trillin, because it is it is kind of hilarious. Um, Microsoft sent me this email being like, um, yeah, this is a cumulative update. So it has all the Copilot stuff we launched last month which was a big update, all the AI features in those apps. Oh, also, by the way, if you look at your start menu under system label, uh, in the all apps section, you can find system components there now. You can also find system components in a in a different spot in your settings app and email. Cool. Great. Cool. Thanks so that, that was the additional stuff coming to this update, I think. And I, I, re- I asked my Microsoft representative, I was like, is that it? Is that... Is that all you have to tell us right now about what's going on with Windows 11's biggest update for 2023? And they're like, yes. They literally copied and pasted the last, like the cumulative update sentence from the earlier message and was like, Microsoft has nothing else to say. So uh, are we seeing things like Copilot everywhere? This is the update that brings all of that or no? The weird, no. We, so the Copilot stuff started running, rolling out on September 26th. We wrote that story. Um, but it seems like Microsoft just made that like a test for a small portion of users. So some people got Copilot, not everybody got Copilot and the AI features, but they've just been really cagey about that. So they didn't really call it the Copilot test or the Copilot beta. They were just like, hey, we got this update. It's got Copilot. Come check it out. Uh, I am sitting on my desktop computer, which does not have Copilot. But on the Surface Laptop Go 3 that I've been reviewing, uh, did get the Copilot update a couple weeks ago. So it's not tied to your username, like your Microsoft login or anything. It's just like some computers get in the bucket to get Copilot and some don't. And I think the, newer devices likely get it sooner, maybe. With this update, I think the thing is, because um, no, um, also our managing editor, Terrence O'Brien, like also got it on like, I think a Lenovo computer. So this Windows 11 2023 update has all that stuff and all that stuff is going to be coming to more devices. I think that's the biggest takeaway, but it was very funny for me to see Sherlyn that um, Microsoft was just like, Hey, yeah, biggest update of the year. Um, check out your all system, all, you know, all apps in the start menu. Those system components look different. Aren't you excited? Great. Aren't we having fun now? So stoked. 
So so. What a great update. This this honestly all this um this writing up this news made me realize like Microsoft just really is is being really disorganized with how they're thinking about AI, how they're rolling out AI. That event where you went to for the big AI stuff, Sherlin, felt really haphazard. How they were just like, oh my god, we got this thing. We gotta get everybody here. Come check it out. Look at our new toy. We spent ten billion dollars on this toy. Look at it. Has it changed your life in any way, Sherlyn? No, I haven't. I think I've resisted the update. I barely, I don't use Copilot. I don't well, even Bing use AI. AI. Have you, are you using Bing AI much? Oh, oh, not much. I've stopped using it. I've stopped using Bard. I've stopped using Bing AI. I used it for the novelty. Mm-hmm. I used it to, but now I have a life. <laughs> I talk to other people. I talk <laughs> so to you know you're not talking to your computer. It does seem strange that Microsoft is betting basically all of Windows on this stuff now, where the functionality of it just seems um, seems really weird. I talked about this during the Surface event, but I, I'm still struck by every time I talk to a Microsoft uh, executive about this stuff, about the issues around AI, around inaccuracies and stuff like that. They always kind of like put their hands together, almost like a praying motion. And they're like, we do hope consumers understand <laughs> that we are learning. This is all new stuff. We are learning. To me, that does not seem like a viable <laughs> corporate strategy. It's like, yeah, we may we may fuck up. Uh, please learn to deal. Also, in other news, after lots of, I think, buzz and hype, uh, the White House announced an executive order that is directly taking aim at AI, specifically around user privacy, things like government transparency and public safety. We wrote this story up. Uh, Andrew Tarantola wrote it up for Engadget. And it's one of our longer stories because there's a lot going on here. Like There is how AI is affecting public safety, uh, specifically Uh, It directs the establishment of new standards for AI safety and security, including reporting requirements for developers whose foundation models might impact national or economic security. They're also starting a new AI council, I believe, well, to like keep track of all these things and all these new rules coming on. Um, There's a lot going on here, but I do think um, go read that story. I'm still like trying to wrap my head around a lot of this stuff. I will relate some funny stories about this stuff, too. It came out recently that Joe Biden grew more worried about AI after watching Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, which I think is perhaps one of the funniest things to happen this year. I don't know if you guys have seen this movie, but I love the Mission Impossible series. And this was the first one that like is directly about tech because it is about Tom Cruise fighting an evil AI called The Entity. It's Tom Cruise versus The Entity. And I could just imagine Joe Biden in the White House theater, just like, just like looking around, like, could, can that happen? Can, can Bing do that? Can Bing just like, did he not watch, did he not watch the Terminator? Did he not watch like, he's a very old man, Trillin. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like he has been in politics for so long. I think a lot of politicians don't have time to engage with like genre fiction and stuff. Like, yes, science fiction. Have you looked at Terminator? Have you looked at uh, Asimov's exactly. rules? Any, have you looked at so many things? Any that, movie, science fiction movie about any AI issue around AI. Red, Resident Evil, yeah. Like, nah, <laughs> wait, wait. What about Resident Evil? The queen that tries to kill everyone. In the movies? The, the little girl, yeah. In the little movies. Girl. In the movies. I don't know. After the second Resident Evil movie, I think I, I cut ties with whatever plot was happening there. So anyway, major AI, you know, challenges happening here or major AI movements, I guess, in the U.S. What is this is an executive order. So it's going to have the full power of law, but only while Biden is president or only while Democrats are in charge. So it's not it's not like a past law. It didn't go through Congress. So 
there's still like work. I believe Chuck Schumer is not like fully satisfied with this. Like he wanted to be a thing, a a bill that became a law, like a something through the the entire process. So it is not quite that. This is very much a we got to do something now because this stuff is moving so fast. So I totally get it. Uh, the White House has been meeting with a lot of AI um, companies and a lot of AI executives, including the guy, one of the co-founders of Clearview AI, apparently, which is surprising because I thought everybody hated that company. Um, but yeah, the White House is listening to a lot of people and I think more aware of the potential harms of this. Uh, there was also a major AI meeting in uh, in the UK which a lot of people, Kamala Harris and other people attended um, in Bletchley Park in England, uh, where they also announced a whole, uh, something called the Bletchley Declaration. Uh, I'm quoting TechCrunch here. It aims to reach global consensus on how to tackle the risks that AI poses now and in the future as it develops. Um, and this is going to be a recurring event. Um, it's good. There's going to be another gathering in Korea in six months and then in France. So, I guess this is really is the year of AI, right? This was the year where Microsoft was like, hey, we did this, we funded this thing and look at what happened to Bing. And we're like, Bing? Bing of all people is now like a super smart AI tool. And now we're nearing the end of the year and every, like most major countries in the world are just like, oh, we got to do something about AI. I really do think like that is happening. Um, ben, producer Ben points out that it is funny they chose Bletchley as a location because it was the site of World War II code breaking, the ring that Alan Turing was a part of as well. So that has like technical, you know, history in the UK. I do feel like everything has history in England at this point. So yeah, people are digging up uh, holes in their backyards and finding Roman coins still. So you're just, you're surrounded by history. It's kind of amazing. Any thoughts about the AI stuff, Sherlyn? Because I know you were, you were there at the Microsoft event. Do you have feelings about it now compared to the hype early on? I mean, I, I kind of get why regulatory scrutiny is increased now and this year as opposed to like, yes, genre fiction has been around. We talked about AI being, you know, getting sentient and scary uh, for years and Which years, is not, decades and decades. That's not necessarily the thing we should be worried about, but that is, yeah. That is exactly the not the thing we should be, yeah. yeah. Right. But, but yeah, I can understand why there's way more attention this year, this time of year, because yeah, everyone's, you know, all the developments this year alone makes it feel like it's all kind of getting out of control perhaps or that like it is starting to feel like there will be true repercussions if it runs unchecked so i understand it um i do i think that they're going to be good at regulating all of this i don't think so historically you know haven't been proven to be very good at, at staying on top of these things but uh and i think ben our producer also pointed out that if the regulatory council so-called the ai council is just sam altman and his friends then it's not truly a regulatory group but who else do we know that is in politics that knows ai that understands what goes into it i don't know so this we, is just the beginning folks, right? this see. is not the exactly. end right this is not like our right. only solution for attacking with ai this is oh my god the government heard about this stuff and everyone's like oh crap what what could this do to our power grid what could this do to the economy so like, got, yeah it's i'll I wouldn't be surprised if they used ChatGPT to come up with some of the documents around this. They were like, oh, yeah, 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 write me a bill, write me a bill, write me an executive order, ChatGPT. You just know a lot of politicians are going to be doing that because uh, just based on what I see from congressional hearings, I feel like nobody is actually doing the reading. Nobody's actually doing the homework. It often feels like a badly run college lecture, you know, where like somebody is called upon to speak and they're like, oh, I wrote this uh, book report based on Cliff Notes. So, yeah, it's very, very silly. Sherlyn, you yeah. had a fun story. Yeah. Lenovo Tabware. What's up? 
So uh, this is something that I think. Uh, so we're actually actively discussing it in the Engadget uh, main channel. You better right now. Yeah, you should be testing this. This is your thing. I I dropped this in our. I dropped a link, and then like what a half hour later, Matt Smith dropped a link, and then we, there was Sam was saying that he already dropped a link last week. Like everyone's been giving this thing eyeballs and talking about how ridiculous it is. Okay, let's Lenovo today yeah, yeah. announced. Lenovo today announced it is. Um, Coming up with this what concept line of uh, clothing is called unique proof of concept tab wear collection co- collection in collaboration with fashion designers Renra Kit One Studios and Mayum is quote an innovative and functional and fashion forward collection that is built for quote me time and incorporates <laughs> a Lenovo tablet into the garment. Uh, and if you look Sh- at the Sherlyn, pictures, this is a, this is a hoodie. With a tablet pocket in it, and you wear the tablet listen, like a baby. Listen, yeah. listen, listen. Some of these pictures are redonkulous. They're so okay? dumb. If you look at, there's that's why everyone's sharing it in our our chants and our, our Slack group chats because it looks so ready. There's this one bubbly pink poncho <laughs> thing that you open that has a tablet pocket in the chest area, uh-huh. but you can also open it up for it to become a picnic blanket because you know you couldn't do that before with other oh, garments it could be a and, hammock i can uh, see it can be a hammock <laughs> be a yeah hammock. But, um, but all with a le- t- pocket for your lenovo tablet look i know some lenovo company people listen to this podcast i want to tell you that this has made my day because it's hilarious um i really want to see this i want to model this for one of our videos so you get in touch let me know but but I, I don't think I think we're having fun poking fun at it. I don't think it really people are gonna buy it. I just think you go, you gotta go look at pictures of this. I wanna like there are some specific <laughs> things. So Ranra, uh, a yeah. London Reykjavik based outerwear designer team, created a noise and light canceling anorak. What's an anorak? With an isolation hood and a packable tablet harness for immersive focus on any flights, bus, or train. <laughs> Basically, a lot of these things are like, what if pocket but big? What if what if kangaroo but I put tablet in there. <laughs> Hong Kong-based independent oh. menswear designer Kit Wan Studios created a, a modular techno armor exoskeleton to integrate tech into streetwear. Just what I want in my life. Oh my god! Mayim, uh, oh. based in Amsterdam, uh, made a fashionable, functional, and we- uh, weather-ready pieces. Designed a jacket that transforms into all those things you just talked about, Trillin. So these are not real. I I do. They're prototypes. They're yeah. They're proof of concept. They're not something you can buy. I will say, if you want to look at these pictures for yourself, uh, LenovoTabWear.com. That's Lenovo, L-E-N-O-V-O-T-A-B-W-E-A-R.com. There's some redonkulous pictures If you want to wear your devices, you can do that right now. They sell uh, laptop straps, basically, that you wear over your shoulders. I do remember one of uh, the more memorable photos from like CES before I was like covering stuff uh, regularly, but I remember Brian Lamb of Gizmodo had this like harness of his tablet in front of him fully open and he can walk and type and blog <laughs> while walking around CS. That existed back then. So okay, Lenovo, once again, once again late to the party. I love it's I so love sad. it. Lenovo does really wacky stuff sometimes. Really? And why not? You, you love it? What? How much do you love it? I mean it, some Jolene? of them are some of them are not great, but uh, a lot of these are just funny. It's I think our funny. new Look. gadget challenge is we gotta get Trillin in the pink thing. One of these. The pink thing looks cute. I want to try that camo looking camouflage. The camo thing is cool. Exo thing, yeah, it's pretty cool. We we just need a photo of you in like 
a city park. So a park where clearly it's just New York around you, right? But hanging in the hammock thing. Maybe the between hammock. a light pole and like a fence. And then a picnic, and right? Picnic. On that mat. Just hanging out. You know? And then I'm cold and I wear the grass covered picnic mat. <laughs> Let's so move on anyway, to what happy. we're working yeah. on. Let's just let's let me just like back away from this topic and how silly it is. Um, although you know what, I'm wearing a thing right now, a, a pullover hoodie that has one of those big pockets, and I do fit tablets in there. So you know what, Lenovo's onto something. Clearly, let's move on to what we're working on. What are you working on at this point, Jolyn? Yeah, uh, I came back to work uh, Tuesday this week, so a lot a lot of it is uh, just catch up. I am editing some pieces um, and I received the Meta Ray-Ban uh, glasses that we reviewed around uh, two weeks ago or, or the week before last. So shout out to the Meta person that got me a set. I, I really actually really enjoy them. I use them a lot. However, I will say I thought they were going to be useful for when I go on like motorbike rides um, with my boyfriend and uh it does not fit <laughs> in the helmet on my face oh. so it's sad um i was not able to to use it for the intended use but you know i was I mean, able does, to doesn't the motorcycle it. helmet have like a shaded visor or something yeah, exactly it has its own visor so, but i have yeah. the clear glass the transition lens glasses uh-huh. uh no but the thing is that the helmet is snug it's supposed to be snug and grip your head a bit i have no room to put like you know glasses arms on them so i couldn't this is a very um, very specific use case very specific use case well work. you know it's fun because we go to like such pretty places they always look so nice and i'm like oh i wish i couldn't you know capture it. but i'm obviously not going to be a passenger taking out my phone on the back of a motorbike what you need to uh, do is get a gopro mount stick it on the top of the on the top of the helmet you see helmet yeah you're right. just, that just is get everything you see the call um i did also over um right as i was going to start my two-week time off here at get i did get a message from one of our listeners alex t on instagram i guess asking if uh i could provide some like buying advice i believe it was related to pixel watch i'm going to read it out really quick i did ask for permission uh to share this and i wanted to address it and sorry it's been taken it's taken me this many episodes to get to it but uh So Alex had a question and they say, I need some advice on smartwatches. I have a three-year-old Fitbit Versa, which I love for its sleep tracking and fitness stats and was going to replace it with a new one. But since Google has, quote, destroyed the app interface and I don't want a smartwatch with apps and notifications, what alternatives would you recommend? I listen to the Engadget podcast and appreciate your input on smartwatches. I'm also a Google fan, so I do not understand what Google is doing unless it wants to kill the Fitbit brand for its Pixel watches. Help me, please. No, Alex, thank you for your message. I, will I, mean, say I feel that so I bad actually, for every Google fan. Every time I, I hear know. somebody say that, I'm sorry. They hate I you. will say they I don't support... I support Google um, getting rid of the Fitbit brand on the Pixel Watch, um, but I believe the Fitbit brand should stick around for its trackers. So you said you have the three-year-old Versa. I would say get the new Versa. Get the Versa, I believe it's two or three now, or, um, you know, because it's not a full smartwatch, but it still has a smartwatch kind of look to it. Uh, And they have the, I mean, if you want to go lower profile, you can always go with an Inspire. Uh, Those are just usually $99. They have pretty much everything. And the screen's got an upgrade this year. Um, There's also uh, 
they don't have the Ionic anymore. I think just go to a Fitbit tracker. Uh, the Pixel Watch, like you said, you don't need the apps or anything. The battery life is not great. If you're going from a Fitbit tracker or a smartwatch to a Pixel Watch, you would lose so much battery life. So uh, I hope that helps and I will for sure get back to you with more details. But thanks again for reaching out. And then, yeah, if any of you have like questions, tech advice, things that you want to ask us, send them to podcast.engadget.com. We should call it the Def. Google support group. Just, uh, oh, just deal, dealing with... We should start why, one. Why does Google keep hurting me? I mean, I love I love Google so much. Um, I, well, thank you, Sherlyn. That's uh, really good advice. And uh, thanks, Alex. Yeah. People got to remember, like fitness trackers, the whole thing about them was that they had really long battery life. But when smartwatches came out, like... They have bigger screens. Like they, they were doing so much more stuff. Those things are just, uh, they're going to be battery hogs. So anything else, Sherlyn? Other than that, I'm working on just, you know, digging myself out of an email hole. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Good luck with that. Uh, I'm working on some uh, redacted bleep here reviews. That's really, <laughs> that's really, I mean, I, I can't say anymore, but uh, hey, what launched recently? Maybe do that math. Maybe think I can't about... wait to edit those reviews. Yes. 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 That should be that Very should excited. be fun and interesting. Let's move on to our pop culture picks for the week. What do you got, Sherlyn? I managed to actually have some downtime. Uh, so I've been spending a lot of time. A uh, there's a new game on the New York Times Crosswords app and its collection of word games. So in addition to Wordle, uh, Letterboxd. Uh, Spelling Bee. Now, I uh, realized there was a new game called Connections. I really enjoyed it. It's about like, they give you a, uh, about 16 words in tiles and you've got to like group them according to what similar, like they have to be like, they have to fit a certain theme. And the theme's not usually like nouns or verbs. It's things like, um, like this, this, today, one of the clues was, spoiler alert, uh, things that have a core. And it was very tricky because um, today's like collection of words had the words, uh, Apple, Kindle, Dell, uh, computer on them. And I thought, obviously, yeah, Apple, Dell, and Kindle, and Intel. I thought Intel was also like one of the, oh, yeah, tech brands. That has to be the the, the category, right? No, it was actually um, Apple and computer were in the category of like, oh, things that have core. Dell and Valley were in things that were like depression, like land formations. Intel, data, and like info were all part of things that were like, oh, yeah, information words. So it's it's actually pretty fun. It's pretty tricky, and it's quickly become my favorite uh, New York Times word game. Very funny, but nice. I can't deal with spelling bee. It takes me too long. Um, <laughs> I also have been listening to some podcasts uh, by uh, not really podcasts. They're uh, they're by the Public Radio Alliance. Um, this one person named Terry Miles, I think, is the main producer. Uh, I started listening first to Fairy. I might have mentioned it in a previous episode, but then I started listening to Tannis. Um, tennis is really cool. I keep having to go back to like re-listen because it kind of gets away from me sometimes. I'm not paying attention, but tennis is actually being adapted, I believe, into a TV series. What, what so is it? tennis is a it, the genre is very strange. It's a science fiction fantasy. Um, it's a fiction podcast. It's about this uh podcast host named Nick Silver, but voiced by Terry Miles, um, who's exploring the myth of tennis. Tannis is anything from the Baba Yaga hut to the Bermuda Triangle to, you know, basically why is there this mystery surrounding the Pacific no Northwest? Why are there so many serial killers? It's so there? weird why there. Is there I this mean, yeah. yeah, because it rains apparently. <laughs> so it's really, it's really, it, it blends fiction with a lot of real world stories. It brings in like uh, stories about L. Ron Hubbard and um, deaths in the Cecil Hotel and stuff like that. So. 
really fun, like sort of mixed reality kind of story to me. Uh, and it's been really interesting for me to dig into. Uh, and then finally, I'm just going to ask everyone to give me their recommendations for holiday gifts. I want to like mass. There's like, there's like that class of people you buy gifts for that yeah, they're yeah. like, you don't want to spend more than $5 on. Tell me what your tips would be for that sort of gift. I got I'm, one I need to for you something. right now, Sherlyn. Uh, you can what? get me the Samsung OLED S90C. Screw you. What is that? How much that, does that cost? <laughs> it's, a, it's a big TV. It's a big TV. Yeah. Uh, you, I can buy you that over 12 years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. I'm really feeling the love. But yes, yes. Send Sherlyn your holiday gifts. I mean, we, hey, we have a whole holiday gift guide to Sherlyn. So I'm sure you'll got some good ideas there. We actually just finished up some copy for that around some of the home theater stuff. So yeah, I'm looking forward to getting that stuff out there. Cool. Well, you know what, Sherlyn, speaking of the Pacific Northwest being a weird, freaky place, which I love visiting every time because it really does have it, those yeah. weird vibes. Um, yeah. I am playing Alan Wake 2, the sequel to Alan Wake, and it is 13 years since that first game came out. And if you don't know, Sherlyn, like this is a game that's very like Stephen Kingsy. It's about a writer who uh, goes to the Pacific Northwest town to to write a book, and I believe his wife disappears or he's searching for his wife. I forget like the initial plot for that. Um, and he gets sucked into the underworld and uh, the the world like he has to fight uh, monsters using a flashlight. He has to like uh, so use cool. a flashlight oh, to yeah. burn away the darkness and then shoot them with guns. I don't think that first game I really enjoyed playing. it. I don't think that first game like had a good story or a major plot or anything. Alan Wake 2, surprisingly is one of the best survival horror games I've ever played. It does feel like uh, we've talked about Control before, the last game from Remedy, and I think Remedy, they're one of my favorite video game studios. Control was very much in the X-Files vein of like weird mysteries and the world being, you know, uh, you know, thing, they're tracking things that are like breaking the boundaries between reality and other dimensions and things like that. Alan Wake 2 is in that universe because control characters or at least control organizations, the Federal Bureau of Control is a part of Alan Wake 2. And I think this game is just really cool because you're playing an FBI agent who's out there trying to solve, initially figure out, um, you know, who murdered this person on a beach. And then it gets really freaky. It gets really twisty. You're fighting like weird zombified people, but you're also like jumping into alternate dimensions and you're flipping between this character played Saga, by the way, great, great name, great Nordic name, Saga Anderson as an FBI agent and Alan Wake, who's stuck in this like weird, um, it's like a weird under like a dark world version of New York city. And it's just super cool and interesting. I think the vibes are really quirky. There was like one segment, which I won't even spoil here. I was like, it is amazing. I'm playing a survival horror game that has like something very related to music happens in the middle of that. And just like, it is so weird and wild. And I love how remedy handles their stories. So we, uh, we didn't end up reviewing this game, but I hope to write up something soon on the site. So Yeah. Check that out. I've also been watching um, Pluto, the anime adaptation of the Naoki Urasawa manga. Uh, and Pluto's on Netflix right now. And I remember reading this thing when it came out. It was like mid-2000s. It was like 2003 to 2009. And Pluto, Sherlyn, you know Astro Boy, right? Yes. You know of the character. What if you yes. did Astro Boy today uh, in a modern world very realistic, not cartoonish, but did Astro Boy with the entire sci-fi setting. And the sci-fi setting of Astro Boy is a world where 
robots and humans basically work together. Um, people are fighting for robot rights. It is very much in the like early like uh, the animatrix stuff, the the pre matrix stuff, like the history of the matrix, like a world where you have AI, you have discrimination against robots and machines. And this is a story essentially about it's a murder mystery. Somebody is murdering the seven most intelligent robots on Earth. And it is handled like a really well-done noir story. It's very adult, but it's also like it never gets to the Astro Boy cartoony levels. But there is Astro, a play a character named Adam is in here. Like Astro is a thing. It's an adaptation of one Astro Boy story, basically. But if you like sci-fi, if you like really well-done uh, animation anime too like i'm also tired of so much anime these days just being like the cg garbage where it looks like a bad cg model and people are barely actually animated this is actually a well-made show and i think well-crafted and a, a really solid adaptation of the manga it is something that makes you think about like we we often think about you know can a robot love what does it mean for a robot to love this show also asks and the manga asks can a robot hate and what does it mean for a robot to hate? And it is very much um, also it was a response to the Iraq war in many ways, too. Like this was a very big anti-war uh, manga series. So it is very wild to be watching this thing now, given everything happening in the Middle East right now, too, where a day doesn't go by before you see a new level of horror happening. So if, if you want great sci-fi, if you want something with a timely and I think really relevant anti-war message, you should check out Pluto. It's on Netflix right now. This is one of the best anime series I've seen in a very long time. So check it out. That's Pluto on Netflix. Well, that's it for the episode, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. This podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Davindra online at at Devendra on Twitter, I'm on Mastodon, I'm on Blue Sky. Please don't ping me on threads. For the love of God, stop pinging me on threads. <laughs> if you want to send me those uh, low-budget mass people gift ideas for people I kind of love to hate, uh, send them to me. I'm at Instagram on threads. I know Devendra doesn't like it. Uh, and also, if it's easier to spell, you can send them to cher at engadget.com. Email us your thoughts at podcast at engadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts. Thanks, folks. Uh, I got one quick gift idea for you, Sherlyn. Google devices that are just about to be discontinued. Just like things, you buy them and you can't pair them. You can't like Everybody gets Chromecasts. Yeah. All the Chromecasts. All right. <laughs>